0: once again to the Silicon Sasquatch Podcast. I'm Spencer Tordoff, joining me today from a cable line in Oregon, Aaron Thayer. Hello. And from a very small DSL line, apparently in Austin, Texas, Nick Cummings.
1: Who needs infrastructure?
0: Today we are talking about the fall of THQ. That was the big news this past week, and really a sad story all around. Uh, If you have been not following news. And I mean, I don't see why you would. It's all depressing. Uh, basically, THQ filed for bankruptcy, dissolved, and its assets were auctioned off in the course of, uh, I believe, about a week.
1: It was a, a back and forth kind of situation where it looked like they had a, a private equity buyer who was going to, I think, pay $60 million for the whole thing, that got shot down, I believe, from a, a court uh, ruling, and they had to move to auction, and that process took a few days.
0: Right, and we ended up with the final list of who's getting what properties, and I mean it's never, it's never pleasant to hear that happening, and THQ was really kind of a beloved studio to a lot of people. I know I have a great many games that I'm fond of that were published through THQ,
2: Yeah, they had great franchises, which uh, is really good for the people who picked up a lot of them. I think some of the names were Sega, Crytek, uh, Ubisoft was a big one, purchasing a whole studio outright. So they did have good IPs that now other developers will benefit from.
0: True, but it's never good to see one of the good ones fall. If it was EA, I I think I'd maybe be kind of cheering to myself.
1: I I think it's interesting, because my experience with CHQ is that it's always been kind of this weird left-field publisher. I don't know why, but I associate them with the old 16-bit days of them publishing licensed schlock like the Run and Stimpy game. Yeah, Um, That's my first um. uh, For full disclosure, Spencer and I have a bet that I can say um fewer than ten times while we record this podcast. So that's two now.
0: I was going to say, you're up to two, not counting the one you just said for your explanation, (laughs) but I won't count it.
1: Yeah, that was... Thank you for that. You're merciful. (laughs) So... It's weird to me because in the last, let's say, 10 years, THQ has taken on a a number of great properties. Red Faction and uh, Saints Row, basically everything Volition has put out has been, uh, I think it's been published under the THQ banner at least for a while. Yeah. And again, Relic uh, is another developer I have a lot of fun for, probably not as much as uh, these two guys, but the way they've handled the uh, Warhammer franchise and all that is, I guess if you like Warhammer, pretty great. Long story short, THQ uh, has kind of been like the shepherd of the underdog genre and franchise and uh, I'm kind of bummed that they're not here anymore. It's pretty emo.
2: I agree that, <laughs> <laughs> that it is emo, absolutely. I've um, already dyed
0: my hair black.
2: It has been raining in Portland today, so that fits with the theme. (laughs) It definitely was a publisher that wasn't as big of a name. I think, for me, their products stood out more than the actual developer name. I never really registered, honestly, Saints Row 3 or Red Faction that THQ was on the box. And maybe that's not the whole problem, but that was kind of their identity for a lot of gamers is that, well hey, we'll play these games, but you kind of forget that THQ's there compared with something like Nintendo or Sony or even just whatever developer-publisher combination you want to say, they're a lot more apparent and out there. THQ was just always quiet, aside from its blunders like the u which which sources were saying anyway and news reports that that was part of why they went into bankruptcy, because they bet hard on that and it failed.
1: That was the tablet they launched for a bunch of consoles, right, including the Wii?
2: Yeah, it was a big tablet-type tablet type Push a few years back before you know we see this tablet integration now which we talked about previously in the podcast but it was mostly just for art and drawing it wasn't anything that was supposed to be multimedia but for whatever reason they went hard on that and then that's a lot of money that they wasted
1: and it was it was primarily marketed at kids right it wasn't a utility for other THQ games it was its own series Yeah, right. Yes.
0: Which which I consider kind of a shame because it's really illustrative of their whole strategy. THQ as an entity was not afraid of kind of coming out of left field. And just saying, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the Warhammer franchise that nobody's managed to get right. Yeah, we'll do Saints Row, which is perhaps the most absurd and well done uh, ripoff of GTA
1: ever. <laughs> we'll perform the dark ritual to get Gary Busey to be in our commercials.
0: <laughs> exactly, we will do this kids drawing slate, which you know, on the one hand, sounds kind of bizarre. Like, do kids really want that? Is that a is that a thing? On the other hand, if you think about it, Ubisoft pumps out shovelware aimed at that same market and it's no risk and they make money hand over fist doing it and i know that you know it wasn't a smart financial move but at least they were trying something that hadn't been done
2: and they have in a lot of ways taken over from thq and the license games they exit that business what last year after jason rubin took over as president they dropped all their license stuff that was uh, not really profitable for them and ubisoft like you're saying they've been doing well so there's going to be that crap out there but THQ tried to reinvent itself you know they even more recently as far as out there franchises and taking a risk uh, the South Park game even though it's been critically acclaimed at shows and it hasn't even come out yet um, that was kind of a big name to grab for them which is now from the reports that's still in some sort of legal issue but I think it's been taken care of by who's the publisher for that did Ubisoft go for that I th- I think it was UB. Yeah, I think that they did. So, you know, they did, like you're absolutely saying, it's correct, they tried a lot towards the later part of their company, but as Nick mentioned from the 90s, the Ren and Stimpy stuff, SpongeBob SquarePants, I remember reviewing games for a website when I was 16, a Nintendo website, and I was sent a review copy of a SpongeBob SquarePants Game Boy Advance game from THQ, and I remember at that time just looking at their logo and going, ah shit, like of course they would publish this <laughs> so that was their that was their legacy for a long time i think they reinvented themselves far too late
1: this pause is just me pouring one out <laughs> like that video Mm-hmm. yeah they published i'm reading all kinds of stuff they published here uh alex navarro wrote a really great write-up of this for giant bomb uh that was just posted today uh january 27th um that's like my sixth um so they published a bunch of schlock like home alone power rangers ren stimpy None of these games were particularly great, if I remember playing any of them. Like You guys remember the Home Alone games? Did you ever suffer through one of no, those? No, thank, thank <laughs> Christ.
0: I think maybe I played the first level of one and went, why is this a thing, and then immediately shut off the emulator.
2: That was kind of the symptomatic thing of the 90s, wasn't it? Everybody was trying to do a movie game of everything.
1: Yeah, because Goonies did so well with it, and then it was like, oh shit, we gotta get on this. Or Ghostbusters on the Atari. Yeah. Oh, that was so bad.
0: Only a couple of them were ever worth anything. I think Aladdin and The Lion King were both pretty well reviewed, but...
1: Aladdin is still great. That was a Capcom joint. (laughs) And Spike Lee. (laughs) Capcom
2: and Spike Lee present The Lion King. Aladdin, (laughs) motherfucker. So, (laughs) I guess I would ask you guys then, what do you think THQ should have done like what they were trying in 2012 when the leadership change happened under Reuben that that was the right path but there was too much dead weight or there's something they should have done years ago like is there any way that they could have been saved
1: I think it's hard to know what they were working with like financially it's clear that they you know they hadn't been doing so great over the last few years that's probably what prompted the leadership change but I think that in recent years they really started to develop pretty diverse portfolio of studios and titles and um i think given different circumstances and an ability to double down on that they would have been in really good shape they didn't try and pull any of that bullshit that the major publishers are doing with like uh ubisoft's uplay interface for for windows now that just launched with far cry 3 i think and origin for ea they just stuck to getting really great games and some not so great games but a lot of really great games out the door and onto all the major systems and that was uh I think that that resonated with people. Like, they're, they're, I mean, clearly, just talking to you guys, there's a strong affinity for a lot of these studios that they were under the THQ umbrella. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: Well, the, their uh, franchises in particular were worthy of note. I mean, they had Darksiders, which has been really well-reviewed. I didn't have the chance to play it. They had the WWE license, which honestly was making some really cool stuff. I'm not a guy who likes wrestling, but just having seen some of the, the recent titles for that and the just the flexibility of the character creation and everything... It looks like they were doing really well with it. Plus, they were the first publisher to really handle Warhammer in a way that was not immediately offensive to the fifteen people that like Warhammer. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Warhammer is a very popular franchise, but how dare you? They were handling it. They, they were handling it in a way that that was not terrible. Like, there's been a few Warhammer games in the past that always were kind of like, uh, the license was used for this. But Dawn of War was really really strong dawn of war 2 was also extremely strong uh space marine was fantastic i really think it was one of the forgotten hits of uh 2011 it was just really really good and then they had the saints row franchise they had metro which i cannot say enough about it's it's such a great title that just does not get a lot of press
1: it's a cult hit on steam It's one of those games that you always see on sales, and people always rave about on there. So it's definitely a fan favorite, even if it didn't really push too many sales. Especially on console, I think it kind of floundered.
2: Yeah, it's not a perfect game by any means, but it was very well done for what it was. And it was cool to have you know a developer from Eastern Europe, and not just California or Vancouver or something.
0: There's a lot of great stuff coming out of Eastern Europe as... (laughs) Uh, as generalizing as it is to say, I mean, you have CD Projekt Red, that's who I'm thinking of, who...
2: Oh, the Cyberpunk 2077.
0: Well, they also did the Witcher series, which is extremely well-reviewed. The de- developers of, uh, Machinarium and Botanica, I forget their name. Um, Amanita?
2: Yeah, Design.
0: Those guys are i believe polish but
2: yeah they're polish i think some kind of iron curtain country
0: people can fly is another great example there's a lot of really good talent in the former soviet bloc, and people are just kind of content to gloss over it. a lot of publishers are thq was not one of them
2: unless we forget uh perhaps their best game that they unfortunately did not capitalize on too often 50 cent blood on the sand
1: yeah Which i was just gonna be- mention <laughs> like i'm not even kidding that is a remarkable game for so many reasons
2: i actually have never played that i should probably pick that up now and try
0: it out
1: i will co-op that anytime full disclosure i've never played that but nick talked about that a lot i remember three years ago when
2: it had come out or
1: nick swears by it
0: nick has been swearing by it since it
1: was a thing i mean i'm probably looking at it as too much of like a postmodern, like existential (laughs) commentary on like how we look at how we idolize pop culture and how violence in video games meshes with music? <laughs> Bitch how... took my skull! Yeah, so the game is insane because 50 Cent like signed off on it and really vouched for it. But the game makes him look like a one-dimensional idiot, which he is. <laughs> and it's just kind of a fascinating thing to watch. The game kind of display this authentic 50 Cent and G-Unit in a pretty competent game it's almost kind of like um remember when we were talking about spec ops line and how it was like the subversive way of taking a first-person shooter and like marketing it to first-person shooter fans people who love to like fight in these fake military games and kind of saying look at what you're doing you monster 50 cent blood in the sand was kind of like that 450 cent but (laughs) i don't think anyone ever saw that and in hindsight it's it's amazing that this game exists and maybe maybe I'm reading too much into it and I'm just like hopeful that you know that's actually what they were going for but with a team of people making a really solid game about 50 cent there has to have been a little bit you know anyway i'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here but the, the game is incredible <laughs> for
2: i think your suburban upbringing has made you look far too into this 50 cent game for some form of merit but no you've, you've talked about that years ago and it does sound like it actually on a serious level has a sense of aware self-awareness and tries to be funny like that which is good but you know that seems like that's one of the exceptions and i'm sure most people who played that uh, as far as thq's coffers go looked at that and barely played that or they were just 50 cent fans and nobody actually saw it break through into this case study and gaming like it perhaps should have been but that seems that that was their downside i guess i could say for thq if you look at and it's a terrible way to do that but if you just look at the wikipedia list of their games you know, until they stop doing their licensed content, there's so much shit on there. Just like from an, uh, oh crap, they they even did Quest sixty four, which I remember as being so excited back on the Nintendo sixty four that that game was coming
1: out. Does anybody remember that? I do. I remember I was in a Fred Meyer looking at that <laughs> and Banjo Kazooie, and I went with Quest sixty four. Yeah, and how'd you feel about that? I wanted to die. It was it was the first time I'd ever felt like I made a huge mistake in my life, and I was like, this is not an RPG I want to play. This is, in fact. I beat that game, by the way. I want to, I want to make that clear. <laughs> you did?
2: I, th- I think I only remember getting to the water element or whatever shit you had to go through. Because you only got... In the game, it was supposed to be an, uh, an adventure RPG. And there was this kind of linear overworld, but you would quest through it and you would learn more magic you were this mage with a little quail hairdo i'm looking at the box art now yeah that is definitely what that was and i remember because at that time feeling so left behind by nintendo for not having any of the quality rpgs that the playstation did at the time and wanting so desperately to have that that i remember being at a fred meyers as well and getting this game compared to something else i could have gotten but i did not finish this it was horrible
1: yeah no i i should not have finished it that game was terrible it it made me want to question everything about why i was playing games and meanwhile my friends are playing final fantasy seven and metal gear solid it was a dark time in my childhood okay what year was this i think it was 98 or 99 when it came out
2: this was 98 and it took place for those of you who are curious the game was set in Celtland, a land that resembles ireland in a very
1: racist way bro that ain't ireland
2: and you had such wonderful fantasy character names as shannon uh, leonardo and brian who is the protagonist who you play so it really went out on a limb there um really indicative of thq's dedication in its early days in the late 90s you know but you know on a separate note that's kind of what their reputation was i mean tell me if i'm wrong but i feel like that's what thq was up until the mid-2000s when they started to diversify and do stuff like you had mentioned saints well hell
0: even the even the early 2000s they started publishing red faction in uh in that span of time and that was a wonderful wonderful title here's the deal they had a lot of crapware but let's be honest what publisher doesn't
1: Yeah, look at any of them.
0: And I'm sure that somebody much smarter than me or who spends a lot more time working on this can definitely correct me. But I can't really point to one thing that they did wrong.
1: I think I know what it is. And this is just based on what we've been talking about. They were fighting in the big leagues with Ubisoft, Activision, EA, and the the first parties. And they didn't have that one title with universal appeal. They didn't have an Assassin's Creed. They didn't have a Call of Duty. They didn't have a Legend of Zelda. They didn't have a single game that could sell 5 million plus with each iteration. And you just need that kind of cash flow, I think, to be able to afford console licensing fees, get the shelf space in the store, and get the reviews you need as well to uh, move that many copies.
0: I think the most profound irony, at least for me, is that that's probably why I like them as a publisher so much. But that is simultaneously the thing that was their undoing. Because they weren't constantly pushing one title. I mean, with with Activision, they're always talking about Call of Duty. With EA, they're always talking about, I guess, mostly Battlefield. But, you know, they got a couple of those. With THQ, it was kind of like, here's our list of critically acclaimed games right now. Of course, they had the other crap, but that's really not what gaming news keeps track of, what gamers keep track of. But none of them were as big as one yearly milkable title.
1: Sorry, I just uh, thought of a couple other things that happened recently. Sorry if we're getting far afield here. Uh, Did you have something? No, go on. Okay. Uh, Post can take care of this. Uh. <laughs> Mr. Post. Right, Post. He's
2: like the Stig for us.
1: <laughs> yeah, Post is our Stig. That just sounded really Texan. I sound. I said like Stig instead of Stig. St- stig, yeah. I'm gonna wash the core. I just realized I've been here for almost two years now. It's just insane. I can't. You gotta get out. I know. It's, it's like these little tendrils of, like, barbecue sauce are stuck in my brain. <laughs> hey,
2: guys. Yeah, we're gonna see in, like, six months if you're, uh, if you haven't. Moved to greener pastures or shaking things up but we're going to see a post on facebook just innocently very innocuous and so i got my first pair of cowboy boots today and it's just going to be you flossing them and it's going to be a slow spiral after that like you'll you'll have breached the floodgates into country because austin the oasis it may be in that godforsaken state sorry anybody who's from texas but come on i'm not going to apologize Seriously. um <laughs> you You can only you know resist elements of that culture for so long, Nick, despite being in austin you have to you have to see that
1: i mean i always I already liked Stevie Ray Vaughan before I moved out here, so that was helpful oh, there you
0: go, okay, it's <laughs> an insulating layer,
1: yeah, so I have that thing that barrier which is like, oh, I'm not from Texas, but what a what a wonderful musician you had before he died
2: I know right, thanks <laughs> yeah,
1: uh how about these kale chips? They're pretty great um, I actually. Yeah, I've had quite a few of them here, because it's Austin. So, anyway, I was going to mention a couple things about THQ and, I think, really pushing for those big IPs. So, how many of you remember Devil's Third or Insane?
2: Uh, the... Guillermo del Toro wasn't the insane, that was
1: his yeah, project. Yeah, that was Guillermo del Toro. And then um, Itagaki, Tomonobu Itagaki, was working on Devil's Third. Both of those were killed within the last year, I think, because of cost-cutting measures. But that was probably the most some of the most ambitious stuff that THQ was uh, helping produce, uh, were these brand new IPs from really acclaimed directors, both within and outside of the gaming industry. I think they were really trying to make that jump, but they just didn't have the resources to pull it off. And I think they tried in the past, too. Like, I, I see here that they... Um, do you remember The Blob? Yeah. Yeah, there were two of those, I think. Uh, I think there was a DS one as well.
2: The second one came out on the uh, um, high-def consoles at the time, too. They, uh, After being exclusive to the Wii with the first one, they released two on the PlayStation and 360.
1: Gotcha. You know, they they tried to... Really break into some big uh, genres there, and I, I don't know if they uh, would have succeeded or not. Like, it's Itagaki is kind of a wild card, as is uh, Del Toro, I think, when it comes to games. But South Park is a good example too, I think, of where they really could have done it.
0: Honestly, I was, re- I still am, but I was really excited for South Park.
1: That's probably still going to happen, right? Like, uh, worst case scenario, yeah. Star- South Park Studios buys the rights back and shops it to a new developer or publisher. I mean,
2: because it's pretty much almost done. If we look at this year, this was going to be a big year for the company, which is very ironic and unfortunate, considering they just didn't have the gas to get them there. They were going to have Metro uh, twenty or the Uh, sequel, Last Last Light. Metro Last Night, which is looking amazing. They were going to have uh, Company of Heroes 2, and they were going to put out South Park, the Stick of Truth, as its full title is. And I'm pretty sure there were some other, at least a couple other big ones that would have come out, but even those three alone, they were all buzzed about They're quality developers, and the games are hyped or they're excited. People are excited about them, whatever you want to say.
1: They were all looking great, too. Yeah, that would have been a
2: great year. This year would have for them if they had made that. But I think, as we were talking before, there was just too much baggage in the past, and they didn't have the capital, as Doug would love to say, to get them to continue, to get through to that brighter side, even though after last year's personnel change... They wanted to. They just had so much crap in the past, and this lack of money that no matter what they tried, they couldn't. The, the the demons caught up to them at a certain point, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. This could have been a huge year for them. Those are some ambitious games that were, in many ways, unlike what they were doing before. And I think it would have really propped them up if they had managed to make it through the year. I'm sure there'd be strong sales from the Stick of Truth. Wasn't there going to be a Saints Row 4 this year too? I think it was going to be next year, and they were they the the current working title is the next great title in the Saints Row franchise, <laughs> which is I hope they keep it. I mean, that was Saints Row the third did pretty well, right? I can't remember the exact sales figures, but I think it was in the millions. Yeah, and I don't know. It's interesting to think what could have happened, and it's a little bit disheartening to know that Call of Duty is still selling tens of millions of copies. <laughs> but that's a whole other discussion. I won't go there
2: we've gone there so many times little jabs here yeah i think at some point we need to go full out and just do a whole diatribe about why it's so fucking stupid but again not the
1: topic of this conversation
0: just gonna throw out there that nick was the last person defending it but you
2: know with black ops that's true
1: i mean yeah i'm i'm part of the problem (laughs) i've bought i bought modern warfare 3 y'all don't know me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I bought and played through and loved Modern Warfare Three for what it was—the stupid linear shooter that it was—and I felt a little gross for how much fun I had with it. In a sense that, like, I've done this many, many times, but at the end of the day, well, isn't
2: that <laughs> isn't that the overall argument though? Is that we look at this a lot more in depth than most people do who play games. There are still. And with the audience having grown in the last decade, there are a lot of people who just play games to play games. People who I work with that they're over the moon every time another Call of Duty comes out, and it's just the only thing that happens in their life in terms of interactive entertainment. So I think we sometimes forget that, isn't that really what happened, that despite the good product and the best intentions that THQ just wasn't making enough games for the larger audience to sustain them they had good stuff but Call of Duty is what it takes sometimes to have that bankroll to then do those side projects yeah
1: i just had a thought about all this so we talked about how THQ probably just couldn't compete with like the the big the big leagues the cash cows of like ubisoft activision etc so then the alternative i think of another successful publisher that takes a different approach is uh, like atlas where they've been, to my knowledge, doing pretty damn well the last few years. With, uh, you know, they, they tend to publish a lot of stuff out of Japan. They do an excellent job localizing RPGs and things like that. But they also take risks on things like Catherine and uh, other weirdness. So it almost seems to me like THQ was trying to do both things at once with the the mass market appeal, with all, but also like with the niche catering to the the Warhammer fans and the the Company of Heroes stalwarts who still play the expansions and wait patiently for the next one. And I don't know. Do you think they could have made it if they had stuck to that Atlas approach of targeting niche audiences really well and selling them like that premium experience they want for their thing?
2: If they had completely cut themselves down to that size, yeah. But like we were just talking about, the big games that they wanted to come out this year shows that they still wanted to have top-tier content. They wanted to be both the publisher and developer of Note. But I think that even no matter how much they tried and how much uh, fat that they cut they still didn't have the right mission statement to either be a small publisher like something like Atlas, very kind of exclusive experiences. I think they still had the stars in their eyes for trying to be a Ubisoft or something like mm. that.
0: I think that's, that's maybe part of it, but I don't know. Like, Atlas is a much, much smaller outfit. And I'm actually, I'm guessing on that, but I, th- I think I'm probably right. <laughs> and then the larger major publishers all have a a really big cash cow that you can point to. Let's look at the wake that's left by THQ in the terms of big central publishing houses. Uh, I know THQ was a little bit smaller, but let's just go up. So you have Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo, and they are pretty much all developing their own in-house stuff. They're big first-party titles that are coming out on their consoles. That's how it's always been. That's how it always will be. Sony is kind of trying to figure out what they're doing. Microsoft... (laughs) dedicated a whole wing of their gaming unit to halo that's a thing and nintendo is content to sell us the same five games over and over i don't know if it's content they might be they might have to at this
1: point but let's say their fans are content
0: their fans are content to buy those five games over and over
1: hey man they're making yoshi but like with yarn
0: <laughs> it's it's totally new now guys because they added yarn
1: and i'm totally gonna buy it
0: actually it's a uh, new games in the same ip don't bother me nearly so much as let's re-release every zelda oh come
2: on that's <laughs> they're not releasing every zelda and even if they did the hd remake of wind waker which was announced this last week for the Wii U... I think that that's a valid thing. Look at what Sony has done; they've redone HD remakes for practically every fucking giant franchise that they had on the PlayStation Two. Yeah, that's an exaggeration, but mm,
1: it's pretty close, actually.
2: Yeah, either way, I don't see how that makes Nintendo any more worse than Sony for having HD collections. They, the, Sony gets the uh, press of being the hero for oh, thank you for putting Eco and um, Shadow of the Colossus on
1: disc.
0: Well, because those are you know kind of niche titles that are very well reviewed, whereas with with nintendo it's everything they've ever done
1: i don't know that that's true because we talked about this and nintendo doesn't remake games very often like they'll release an existing game on a different platform sometimes with different features or sometimes verbatim as it was like with the virtual console on wii
2: well i guess to bring it back to the thq idea then that to, to tie that in is yes nintendo does that so does sony and maybe not on the same extent, but Microsoft was doing Halo Anniversary. Clearly all the big three have gone back into their archives in recent times and updated, re-released, whatever. It's it's kind of a uh, honestly a, um, a theme right now that seems to be a big thing that is happening in gaming, which I don't have a problem with. I really have not seen a bad remake. Um, I, it could be seen as just milking the cow, so to speak, far too often, but I... Don't think it's a bad thing, um, especially if they were good games. If they're remaking stuff like you know Fusion Frenzy, <laughs> Fusion Frenzy, Brute Force, Mario and Luigi Lost in Time, or whatever the hell that one was, Mario is missing. If those games were being remade, then that would Kinda suck. Like
0: that one, but uh, no, <laughs> never mind that. But that's
2: how Nintendo has their money, and THQ didn't have that.
0: My my major uh, thought on this. Would be specifically not not even necessarily the remix. The remakes are just icing. If you have a strong enough franchise that you can re-release one that you already had and make money off of it, for the big publishers, they all have really solid titles that like really solid IPs that they can continually release new titles for, and the gamers respond. Like Halo still sells millions and millions of copies. Even though though it's now in the hands of a different developer, if they announced Super Mario Galaxy Three coming out tomorrow, Nick would be in line right now,
2: yeah, the hell, hell I'd be in the line. I'd drop this mic like Chris Rock.
0: I would probably just order it on Amazon, but the point stands, so they all had something really strong to draw upon, and really with the the hardware less publishers i th- I think that's probably the same thing that they had. yay, we'll make money hand over fist forever on sims expansions and then additionally have battlefield as their their big hardcore title to push and then activision is going to ride call of duty into the fucking ground
1: like a nuclear warhead
0: like they did with guitar hero just just throwing that out there
2: and they'll still make billions
1: it's an old wound man still hurts
2: i feel it so here's what i'm thinking off of your point spencer is and what you're talking about go with me on this one so If we look at, then, the re-releases or those big franchises that keep getting reiterated, new sequels, remakes, and all that, it's because, if you look at all of those properties, they started out as core, original, fantastic games. Like, we can't argue that. All of them. Halo, the first Halo, was amazing. I fully believe that when it first came out. Absolutely. The Mario, of course, it goes without saying. Shit, even God of War, the first one that came out, and they have done hd collections of that they're coming out with ascension or whatever the hell one that i'm not going to play this year is so now at a certain point it's preference to where you can say sure the nintendo games that keep getting um, released are better than the sony ones that's just opinion that's preference but at one point all of those franchises started out as a brand new ip obviously and they were all great games so that of course follows that they make money off of that they're going to keep re-releasing them and doing whatever thq never had that they never had that as we've said earlier, that core IP, they had a lot of good ones, but they must have just bit done decently as best. Because if you look at their 2011 financials, their net income was $136 million compared to Atlas in 2010, which, you know, it's in yen, but $437 million for... So let's say about the same amount of income Atlas did for a very small company in comparison. So if THQ had had those fantastic IPs and had really nurse them perhaps better, they would be in a different position today, even if it meant re-releasing and doing sequels every year like Activision in the worst case, or doing new stuff and re-releases in the case of Nintendo. They just didn't have that.
0: And you know, kind of the unfortunate truth as I look over this list of, well, really everything that THQ has published, I feel like what they were trying to do right towards the end was turn... Saints Row into one of those big moneymakers, into one of those big franchises. That was their push. And, I mean, Saints Row is fantastic. I think it's a good choice to try and do that with. They just set out to do it far, far too late.
1: Yeah, I think I think you guys are spot on. THQ had the right idea, the right approach. They took a very sound, tactical approach to things, and they were just it was just too little, too late to really get an anchor into the market that would reliably bring in the money they needed.
0: It's a damn shame.
1: Yeah, and it's a a damn shame, too, that not every uh, developer and uh, IP was acquired. Uh, I know that Vigil was not acquired. Is that... That's correct, right? Developers of Darksiders? Yeah,
2: and... Yeah, Jason Rubin was doing an interview with Game Informer and talking about how he feels an extreme level of guilt about that because... And, you know, you can, of course, take this with a grain of salt, but he seems like a pretty sincere dude in, in recent events... That the new IP that Vigil was working on, they had just started on, and I forget the name now, it escapes me, but they were working on this game that blew everybody away, and it really would have been great, but for some reason he said he didn't even know the investors and buyers didn't want them, so he wants to find those people jobs, and he feels terrible about that, so... There are a lot of people at THQ that didn't get picked up like THQ Montreal did by uh, Ubisoft. Yeah.
1: and as far as Vigil goes, I never I played a fair bit of Darksiders. I don't like it particularly well. I think it, it's ambitious in some ways, but just the style and the mechanics didn't really appeal to me, and I heard the sequel was no better. But a lot of people really did like it. It resonated with a lot of people, because it took the Ocarina of Time kind of approach to action-adventure and uh, gave it a, a different twist, and... It's a shame, because I know that the people who worked on that were really invested in that property, and th- there's a lot of promise in that studio. Darksiders was, was Vigil's first game, right? I believe so. Yes. That's a hell of a debut to make. Look at the first Red Faction. Look at Summoner. Look at like where Volition really started to come into its own. Like A lot rougher of a beginning for a studio that then put out Red Faction, Guerrilla, and uh, Saints Row the Third.
0: Just starting out that you never did play Free Space 2, but so did not most people.
1: Yeah. I, I acknowledge that I have many
2: faults so it seemed like vigil their newness and their lack of a pedigree is kind of perhaps what did the in. or who, who knows what else that's all speculation but it really is sad and of course it just goes again us in our mid to late 20s we start to see this now as adults but the business side of this that you know when you're younger you don't really think about it. it's well this game's pretty good why should it why won't they keep going
1: it just you're a little bit more naive yeah, I mean, it, it echoes of uh, 38 studios last year.
0: Any developer kind of has to start somewhere, and maybe their first offering isn't really mind-blowing, but it's still good, and you see where they're going with it. And yeah, to to not be given that chance after two pretty solid first entries, uh, in the case of Darksiders, which again, I haven't, I haven't played, but they're one of those titles that you can tell is probably fairly good. I mean, some people don't like it. Nick has already stated he doesn't really care for it but it's still not shit
2: (laughs) yeah is all you can hope for these days
0: it's not shit which is pretty great for a first effort
2: their second i i've only played uh probably a couple hours of darksiders 2 during one of those uh infamous steam sales of course i picked it up but uh it was much better already than the first game and the first game i thought was you know decent but they showed promise but that is that's the brakes you know perhaps i should ask you guys a question to help transition a little bit so with thq being shuttered and as reminiscent as we have been what kind of hole does that leave in the industry like is there another publisher developer out there that's going to do the same thing thq did did they really not do anything that was that special to begin with i mean are we going to see what sort of effects are we going to see from them being closed now
0: well, it's it's worthy of note that all of the major IPs, for the most part, have been picked up already. South Park's going to Ubisoft, Relic, and the Dawn of War franchise, and the Company of Heroes franchises are all going to Sega, and Voli- did I get that right? Yes, and Volition is going to a German conglomerate that
1: Deep Silver, the Dead Island people. <laughs> <laughs> so that's auspicious. Uh, oh, super auspicious.
0: I I did have a brief heart attack because I thought they were related to the American Coke people, and I was like, oh yeah, no, the Coke Brothers. Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> They're going to make propaganda games now. But thankfully, it's actually just the kind of unremarkable people who did uh, Dead Island. So
2: hopefully, the next Volition games will have a, a severed torso included in the collector's edition as well. It'll be Johnny Gad's torso, <laughs> <laughs> or a, or a
1: severed uh penis
0: just the full-size dildo bat is what it's going to come with
1: that's going to be the super collector's edition i would be shocked if they don't sell a person that came with a giant dildo
2: unlike <laughs> <laughs> uh adamandeve.com or something
1: yeah yeah speaking of which this podcast is sponsored by <laughs> and now the sexy hour of silicon sasquatch yeah we're no Dan savage but we uh would appreciate some sponsorship no i'm just kidding but really seriously money
0: Hey guys, it's Spencer. I'm the producer of the podcast. Um, sorry about this music. I'm just playing around with some public domain stuff, just seeing what uh, what kind of works for the intro and outro. Uh, I'm just cutting in here because at this point, the discussion kind of breaks down. Uh, we stop talking about THQ and go on to uh, rant about the band Everclear for about 20 minutes. Uh, there's a point at which I'm put on trial basically as to why I don't like Nintendo, which is totally untrue. I, I love Nintendo, just not as much as the other two gentlemen on the, on the podcast. If somebody really wants to hear uh, it, there's actually a, a few funny moments, but for the most part it's disorganized and doesn't really fit with what we're trying to do with the show. Uh, However, if you want to hear it, just drop a comment on the blog or send us an email through our contact page and I'll uh, put together a very rough cut and post it, but I doubt that there's going to be a lot of market for it. Anyway, moving on from that, the Silicon Sasquatch podcast is a production of siliconsasquatch.com. Our producer is, as I said, Spencer Tordoff. Our contributors this week were Aaron Thayer and Nick Cummings, and the other two editors of the site are Doug Bonham and Tyler Martin. If you enjoyed this, please consider subscribing to us on iTunes or checking out our site at siliconsasquatch.com. This is all just kind of a labor of love for us, and anything that you like, well, that's just a little more satisfaction we get out of it. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in again.